Welcome to another episode of Differences Not Deficits, where we discuss what we are learning and changing in our therapy so we can support and empower neurodivergent individuals with compassion and respect. Thank you for listening so we can all learn together. The primary purpose of Differences Not Deficits is to educate and inform. The views expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not constitute educational or medical advice. Listeners should consult with their professionals familiar with each individual or family for specific guidance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Differences Not Deficits. Today, we are excited to share an interview we had with Chloe Rothschild. Chloe is a 31-year-old autistic adult who spends much of her time speaking and advocating for autism. Chloe is a board member on the Arc of the United States, which is an organization serving people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. She is an advisory board member for OCALI, which is a model agency for inspiring change and promoting access for people with disabilities. Chloe also co-authored the My Interception Workbook, a guide for adolescents, teens, and adults with Kelly Muller, OTRL, and Jarvis Alma, who is also a self-advocate. So with no further ado, here we go. So Chloe, here we are. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? My name is Chloe and I'm 31 years old and I have autism and I like to advocate from my perspective and I've done it for over a decade now. Awesome. Awesome. So when you're saying you're you're an advocate for yourself, what does that look like? I like to serve on boards and work at a school and day program for kids and adults with autism helping people from my own perspective and helping kids learn to communicate and program devices and help make visuals for the teachers and work with the students to learn these devices. And um, I like to tell my story and co-author the My Interoception Workbook, a guide for teens, adolescents, and adults, and speak to people. Awesome. We are so excited to have you here with us and just to yeah. hear your voice because um, we're you're an inspiration to us. And I think you're going to be an inspiration to the families that we serve as well. Yeah. Debbie and I are, Debbie a little bit more so than me, are just kind of getting into interception. And really the workbook that you worked on is truly an eye opener for us. And, and we're referencing that book. You know, we're thankful that you're actually putting something out there that, that makes sense and will connect the kids and the families and especially teens and adults like yourself. Yeah. So that's all the stuff you're doing for work, but is there anything you are currently like passionate about actively? Pursuing? I like doing gliding stars, adaptive ice skating. I, th- this is my 14th season in the program. Oh, and I like ice skating with my volunteer on Sunday afternoons. No way, that's so cool. And then in the spring and summer, I play baseball through the Challenger League. Oh, that sounds fun. That's cool. And I also do dog agility. What does dog yeah. agility mean? Like the Westminster Dog Show, we take them through tunnels and over jumps, and it's a program for individuals with disabilities. That's so cool. Do you have a dog? No, we use the therapy okay. dogs. My parents have dogs, but this past year, I moved into my own place with a roommate. Yes, that's another exciting thing. Tell us about that. Ten years in the making, literally over a decade of skill building in the making, and without OT speech and ABA, I really don't think it would have really all came together and been possible. Mm 
Um, so I have a Medicaid waiver of home and community-based services. So staff comes in and out and helps with different things like cooking, cleaning, and helping me learn to do do those things. But um, my, my BCBA helped me set up the tools such as like a boundary color system so that my roommate and I can function better on, on a day-to-day and so that we have a way to tell each other what space we need. Well, that's actually oh, I think, awesome. That's I think a- we all might need that. <laughs> and then when that one wasn't working, she went back to the drawing board and replaced it with something else that has been working. Oh, that's cool. And this is just kind of like setting you guys up to, hey, I need space today or, hey, I want to out and it, have a It's like a... You, you know how, like, teachers say, move your, your clip, clip yes. or whatever? Your clip so we have a, a clip, but we actually move it for good. Yay. And purple means come up, come come in my room. You can come upstairs. You can come in. Green means you can yell over the banister to me. You can text me. You can call me in the same house. But don't come up to my room. Don't come in. And then... Yellow means you can text me one time or yell up the stairs one time. And red means stop, don't come in, don't do anything unless like the house is on fire or or you're bleeding or choking. And then on the basement door, we have a hook. In one side, the picture says, come on down. And the other one says, stop, I need 15 minutes. Those I mean, really cool. I, yeah. I, I mean, I honestly think that those would be helpful for just anybody's family. I mean, we all need space and time sometimes. So, well, it stemmed off of red, green, and yellow post-it note system that had worked between me and my parents before. Oh my gosh, I love it. That she did once. So that was why we're like, oh, let's try this. It'll work. It's worked once before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just thinking since you you mentioned your parents, I was just thinking that kind of yeah, my parents. Tell us about your parents and how you grew up. I I just I can only imagine they really, I mean, exposed me to almost everything and continued to keep taking me to places to try to find answers and find therapy because we did not get the autism diagnosis easily. It it was misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, as what someone called it, developmental apraxia, which isn't even a thing. So I don't know what they were doing, but, and then someone said severe ADHD with signs of Asperger's. We, my mom went back to the pediatrician. The pediatrician was like, no, she's autistic. And so there be, but my parents continued to advocate for it. It was also complicated by the fact that when I was two and a half or three, I was diagnosed with a visual impairment. So people would also say that, oh, that's too complicated to diagnose with the vision. Mm. And because I was a girl and I talked, yep, it made it super hard. Yeah. But my parents always fought for and were my best advocates. So, hey, I wanted to ask you, I know that you mentioned, you know, you had a lot of services when you were younger. Do you remember when your services actually started for you? Like how old were uh, you? Well, four and a half, maybe. 
in terms of how many years in your life have you had? I did not exit school age services. So four and a half to 22, literally the day before my 22nd birthday. Wow. That was probably a hard transition for you, huh? Yeah. I mean, literally I was crying about the school van not coming the next day. It was tough. But, um, I spent two and a half years at an autism charter school, but I also spent a long time through our public school system, mainstreamed and in inclusion. I'd done pull out. I'd done push in. You name it, I'd probably done it. So I've done a little of ev- ev- everything. They kind of each had their specialties. One of the hardest parts was that through our school district was that I was learning the general curriculum and a lot of that I don't use it at all now ever yeah that's a good point that so while it was great like our career tech early childhood education that was an amazing experience but like a lot of my friends were in the self-contained class so a lot of that curriculum I then got to learn two and a half years or like the last three years of school, mm-hmm. which wasn't bad either because we had already worked on all those academics. So I had everything academically I needed for graduation so then we could focus on those life skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay, so you're talking about at the end you kind of learned the life skills? Is that yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at a point in time where we're education needs to be looked at for not just neurodivergent people, but everyone. I mean, we all don't use those things we learned when we were growing up. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just part of life. Uh, um, so, you know, one of the things that we really would like to talk about is interception. Yeah. Interception. Yeah. So, because that is something that we are going to continue to talk about a lot. We're going to be talking about interception a lot. What was life like before you discovered interoception or when, and when did you discover it? I discovered interoception. I think Kelly and I figured out that it's been nine years now. Nine years. So nine years ago, I almost, so nine years ago in November, I sat at oh, the Ohio Center for Autism and Low Incidence Conference, eight. 30 a.m. on a Friday morning, I drug myself dr- drug myself out, out of bed because I was like, I've never heard of this. I need to go hear about this. And yeah. it changed my life. And it made, it was the start of a friendship and a new career partnership. And yeah. Kelly and I pretty much have been friends and working together almost ever since. I I don't know if you know, but we just filmed the one of the keynotes for Ocalicon. Did not know that. When does that come out? During the Ocalicon online conference the week before Thanksgiving that I highly recommend. Ooh. Ooh. I'm actually writing that down. Put that in, yeah. So if you look on the internet and type in O-C-A-L-I-C-O-N, 
You'll find the registration rates in the session sorter and all the things you can learn about. It's a Tuesday to a Friday conference, and they're all recorded on playback. And then you have like a month or two to watch them. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Kelly and I have presented on Zoom for like another country. <laughs> that's so like cool. that's incredible. But I really realized I needed to work on interception because like people would tell me you have all the tools all you've got to do is use them and so like in other words it's kind of telling me you're not you're not you're not using them but really I was missing the tool of interoception which comes before Mm self-regulation but we didn't know that yet and so I was going from zero to a hundred I was eating snacks and not knowing if I, if I was full. Mm-hmm. I, one time when I had first started working on interoception, I told my dad my foot hurt. <laughs> and he gave me an Advil, gave me a snack. I laid down to rest. Next thing we know, literally my stepmom hears me puking in my bed. Cause, so apparently it wasn't just my leg. Oh my goodness. Yet I couldn't tell us that. Apparently it was my stomach. Oh. oh, and literally, I couldn't tell us that until I puked in in the bed. So that was what, when we knew it was more than my leg because I just vomited. Interesting. So was it? So you weren't necessarily picking up the the feelings in your no, stomach. Like, only I was leg. insistent that it, it was my leg. Yeah, yeah. So like your pain. But if it was my stomach, he would have never. Exactly. My dad would have never said, "Let's have a snack." Correct. Yeah. Wow. Really interesting. Sick and pain is used to be super more hard than it is now for me because my words to communicate to her were super limited. I couldn't describe the pain. Um, I would cry and scream, called the doctor, mom called the doctor, mom hurt, hurt, fix it. Throat hurt, head hurt, stomach hurt. That was about it in regards to language for hurt and we didn't get any of how they hurt really it it was just pretty much hurt although sometimes headache i could do for us because that one happened often enough but Mm -hmm. it was pretty difficult but you could tell i was making progress because like 2018 when i stupidly got hit by the car door because i was rushing and it that resulted in a mild closed head injury but i told my mom it hit so hard i could feel it in my teeth that was nothing ever that i would have been able to tell us before so you actually felt your teeth like yeah kind of clench when you got hit yeah when i was before that when i was diagnosed with, with a bladder condition for two months, we had people tell us that everything was normal. And we kind of trusted our gut on that one. And it turns out there was a condition that needed treatment. And I was indeed in pain. So, like, we weren't making it up. But before interoception, the bladder and the stomach were so close that I struggled. But Kelly's interoception curriculum has really helped me. 
Yeah, I love her curriculum and I love the other, the one that you wrote with yeah. her to go with it. You know, we have both of them, but yeah, we love interception. We are so excited using it, but so how long would you say for you, Chloe, did it take for you to really say that you like, I mean, did you, I know you said, did you notice kind of quickly that you started to notice differences or was there a certain amount of time before you really felt like you were getting better? It took at it? a while, but I think it, it was constant and gradual pro- progress. It wasn't like a journey, but like there were times that I would get frustrated because I, I would be like, oh, it's just so hard language wise, but like it's also programmed on my iPad. There's a folder called body check. So it can be done that way as well. Mm-hmm. I think what we would really like to know is, you know, I think there's some people who might be skeptical because they haven't heard of interception. It's kind of a newer concept. I mean, we believe in it wholeheartedly. Obviously you do Kelly, and we've listened to lots of things about interception, but if you had parents or other professionals who were kind of skeptical about interception, what would you say to them? Google it, start to read some of the stuff, and then find a professional in your area and just hear what they have to say and make sure they know about it. I mean, you've already kind of told us that it's made a huge difference in your life, but what would you say was the number one difference? I think, honestly, it was that we weren't just doing one thing and we were doing multiple together. That makes sense. And while being a team, while all communicating together. Yes. That was one thing that was very important to me. So we had a communication notebook that every professional would write in and my parents would write in so that everyone would know what we were targeting and what happened in each session. I love that. That's something that even though I was verbal and, and could tell you, it was very important to me that we all were on the same page. It's huge. And that's something that we too, we've talked about that is the multidisciplinary. It really needs to be a a multiple heads together, all working on the same thing. On a typical day, like what are some supports that you're implementing to like self-regulate? What, what are those supports and what do you do on a typical day? Our basement is turned into a sensory room. Oh, that's cool. Um, And I have one of those steamrollers. Mm-hmm. Um, a swing and a trampoline and mm-hmm. some therapy balls down there and I do that before I go to work and I listen to mm-hmm. therapeutic li- listening via the Vital Links app on my phone on the way to work and doing during my lunch break and I try mm-hmm. to go to the gym at least once a day and do sensory in the basement at least one to three times a day. Sometimes I'm not so good about it as others, but sometimes I just like laying under my weighted blanket. So it kind of just depends. But I also take a five minute sensory break at work. Mm -hmm. The three days a a week that I work during the day. We also have a routine that I helped to really create that one day a week when I have therapy at the ABA clinic, the session starts with a routine that includes sensory and a feel-good break and drinking water. Okay. 
So before the session even starts, it gives a good 10 minutes of movement going. And that's kind of because I come right from work. Or I was coming right, right, right from work. Now, it with it switching days, it ends up I'm not coming right from work. But it makes sure that even if I didn't do it at home, mm-hmm. that we're still setting up for success. Yes, it makes a difference on how you're like how you're able to if you're regulated, and it just gives me a routine to be able to follow. And I will even do it completely independently now. That's do you make you make your own kind of schedule? I know what it is. It's been the same okay. since right after COVID, oh. and literally now I don't even use the visual of the routine. I don't even have to check it off because I know it. Awesome. That doesn't mean I always like to follow it, but I know it. Yeah. Do you ever? I mean, do you ever? Does it? Is it change, or do you feel like some days you need? I, you did say that some days. I mean, some days I'll say. Oh, the timer has two minutes left, but I don't really want to do that. Or I need water before this. Okay. So, yeah. And we just kind of adjust where needed. Yeah. Because we, any of us, we don't always want to do all of it every day. And that's totally okay. It's always moving past, moving, like, in my bedroom, there's a huge number of fidget items around. Um... And I just started taking ABC data on head picking using the Teleflex app, which I I love Teleflex and they're free. And and they let you export the data to a therapist. Like literally. It's amazing. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. And you're starting to do that on your own, like your own ABC data. Very that's cool. awesome. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we do a lot of self monitoring on Google Drive. Yeah, is a big one. My BCBA will will use, but a lot of it is so it gives you that autonomy self monitored data. It's on my phone, or I can do it on the tablet. But my BCBA created a Google Drive doc called Chloe self monitoring, and I will just copy it and start over at the start of each week and then I and then I I know kind of what the price is I'm working towards and how many points I need to get there and will honestly write on there if I got the daily points or not and then put it in a different app that will keep track of the points that's cool no because we made it up and it's working yeah no, and I, I kind of... That's, that's really yeah. cool. It's totally working because... Uh, and, and I just reached the 500 mark, which means that I just reached the highest cap of prizes. If you don't mind me asking, what does your prizes look like? Like, what do you... I made them up, and literally they go from anything from Pokemon Go trades and battles to having a toy spend the night to... <laughs> Going to Target with someone I pick to going on a shopping spree of what the clinic needs on the light board. (laughs) Literally. Apparently, this is something I've always wanted to do. Cool. Literally, I'm willing to work for it. To work 
to work the BCBA's dog she brings who doesn't really like to even walk on a leash. But, you know, and she warned me. She said, just so you know, she doesn't really walk. But if you want to work for it, I mean, you can, but I don't want you to be disappointed. You're like here. dragging the dog. Yeah, pretty much. But for stickers for my water bottle, candy, pigeon, anything like, like that. Playing Mario Kart with someone. I'm, I'm excited you mentioned Pokemon Go because I still play that game. I do. I love Pokemon Go. For some reason, we all love, and we will sit in a car, four of my friends, we will drive to a parking lot just to sit there to spin the Pokegems. See? So there's a park right near my house that has a ton of Pokestops <gasps> through cool. it, and we will just drive in circles yes. around the park. Because I love it. But the the cool part is that I hadn't heard of Poke, hadn't really played until one of the RVTs introduced it. Because I had a, a target of learning new and just being exposed to different leisure activities. Yeah. To see if I liked them or not. And Pokemon Go was one we tried that I absolutely loved. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it gets me out of the house. Otherwise, That's I would sit so there all cool. day. <laughs> hey, since we're talking about like some of the, you know, whatever the rewards that you got to on your with that, can you tell us what your perspective is on when, you know, <laughs> when parents or other professionals or you, you hear it a lot that, oh, that's too babyish or that's socially inappropriate? Yes, I think that people forget that. Um, no one really tells people without disabilities what they can and cannot like, and that people with disabilities may, may not have many choices in life, and that we're taking one of the few choices they have to make away from them. And instead of doing that, we should teach more time and place. And we can, there's a difference between taking someone's world from them and just rocking it and exposing them to new things if they'll tolerate it without taking what they like away. Like, you can like a variety of things, but I do a lot during the workday, and I don't want to come home and watch this lawn show that I have to analyze and follow a plot. Like, I'd much rather come home and watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or whatever it may be because there's no plot for me to follow. Absolutely. God, that makes so much sense, Chloe. But actually, no, m mostly now I would just like to come home and watch YouTube of people shopping for <laughs> different colored fidgets or yes. <laughs> also things that I don't have to follow. You have no no brain work there. <laughs> actually, you make a lot of sense. No brain throughout work. the day, you have to be, you know, there's times where you have to be so focused and paying attention that when you come home, that's your, that's your zone. That's your... I mean, if I want to come home and line up princesses or count to tell you that I have yeah. 80 of yeah. them so be Absolutely. it and I hear the same thing a lot with um even visual supports I hear people say oh they don't need you know we're trying to fade this out I always tell people well would you like it if I took away the hook for your keys your post-it notes your, your grocery list no chances are you'd be pretty lost you <laughs> are so <laughs> right on that Chloe so they you're really so shouldn't correct. do it for those with disabilities. If you're looking at how to make them more functional, you could potentially put it on someone's phone or iPod instead of the picture if it's harder for them to carry the picture. Mm -hmm. Because, like, 
I lose things a lot and don't need more to carry. So, like, things like choice works are easy to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then at home, do you prefer, like, visuals? Like, in different, like, around your house? I have visuals on my wall in front of me that I don't know if I've used much after once I I made them. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, in theory, it's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Some I use, some I don't. The chore dry erase board I have with the magnetics of the chores, mm-hmm. I use weekly. And then my roommate and I have a chore board downstairs I made with pictures of the chores and then pictures of our faces that we use weekly. And then there's a meal chart, but lately I've gotten too frustrated and irritated when I can't find the picture of something. So I'll just take the chalk marker and write what the object is because I'm like, I'm not doing this. I can't find the picture of the taco. This is annoying. Silly me. So then I'll just write taco and then end up finding the taco and put it on there. And we also have now a visual calendar that my roommate and I set up on Sundays. We each have a color individually. Then we each have a color that we do together. So that way we know what to expect each week of where someone may be. Yeah. Those are great. That's That's great support. And yeah, I mean, I think sometimes you might use the visuals, but sometimes you're not. But it doesn't hurt for them to be there, right? No. And every single drawer in cabinet is pretty much labeled with exactly what's in it. Okay. My executive functioning skills are not great so that allows me to not have my clothes in in a pile and actually have a room that is somewhat clean because I can know what what, what's in each drawer without seeing it that makes so much sense I mean and you probably sometimes you forget like where is it what like everything is labeled including the kitchen cabinets like not not even kidding so like when someone, when a staff comes over and's like, where, "Where is the cutting board?" Well, it's right there, where it's labeled. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think cutting board actually I need to update. But you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Our other question is, what are your thoughts on stemming? Because if you think it's fine, no one, we're <laughs> yeah. If no one's hurting and and anyone anything or themselves, who cares? Right. Like, let it be because there's research that masking is harmful mm-hmm. and like super harmful for individuals and when you're talking you function and you hold stuff in or just function all day long why if you feel safe enough what you always should just be then why would someone stop you if you're not hurting anyone exactly Exactly. And I think as a behaviorist, I fell a lot into that trap of having kids replace their, you know, stimmy and fidgets and stuff with something that I thought was more socially appropriate. But there isn't really a social appropriate when it comes to your feeling. And, you know, if you need that, there shouldn't be any reason why you shouldn't be able to have that. I mean, but I will say, like, um, anything that's self-injurious. You can't keep well, so like yeah, yeah leg scratching is one that we I've dealt with. Uh, 
finger picking I'm really bad at. Uh, head picking. Like, those we can't keep because they're, right. like, I will just keep doing it. Okay, so the one thing I noticed that we did not cover was just about communication and, you know, how critical that is. I know that you've talked a lot about, you know, how you eventually, you started using AAC, your Proloquo. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how you um, started using that and how, like, what type, when, what are the times that you use that? Because obviously you are uh, speaking, but you also use the AAC device to to assist you. We've really noticed that it's helped supplement language. And I'll even use ways to communicate like texting, writing in a note and showing it to someone. I'm pretty creative in that way now. Um, And I'll use it when I'm hurt or in pain, anxious, frustrated, overwhelmed, or just in a new situation or with someone new or just unsure. Okay. And do you still utilize that today or was that more in the past? I, I still have it. And every so often, I will still u- use it, but it goes to work with me every day. It goes to the therapy clinic every day I I, I go. I mean, it's still very much so available. Okay. okay. So over time, have you, like you said, you still, you were moving into texts and paper as well. So is that, was that before or after the protocol? I, I've kind of done them all. You kind of done them all, but I, I didn't start with Proloquo. I started with like this free app, and then we ended up going to Proloquo. Okay, and then but now I've used Proloquo for text as well because that's compatible with the watch. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So last year when I got a watch, an Apple Watch, and like that's pretty cool because at one point I even used one of the phrases to show therapist when we were at the library and a child was being too loud and, and I didn't like it okay I wanted to move lo- lo- locations so like no there will still be times that I still need the device and I think it may be harder to remember now because it it's become less and less but there's still definitely those times where I'll be like I, I want to I need to type it mm-hmm. yeah so you it really helped you to kind of increase your language yeah or even just your advocacy on what you wanted because if i mean i started advocating telling my story pressing the button on the aac app wow that was where we all began with us wow and wow look up and it's amazing how much you know even if just believing in yourself and, and pushing yourself forward and now we're having almost an hour conversation. I just noticed it was an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So we're not going to keep you on here for, for super much longer. I think we've kind of hit almost everything that we wanted to talk about. Do you have any other advice, important things you want, you know, parents and teens who are just now starting, like a lot of teens, even who are just now graduating high school, you know, now it's the next step in adulthood. Any advice? Parents. Just to keep work, keep working on things, and 
never give up and for parents to just do their research and make sure they talk with clinics and therapists before they decide to use them because sometimes it's not just the whole therapy itself. It's more about the clinic you're going to. Right. And what method they use. Yeah. And how they work with your child and how they let you be involved. Yeah. And how would you know, like, if you, I know you said you are more selective, you and your family, or how, how would parents know if they don't let you be involved or don't let you be a part of your child's goals? Like, I make a majority of my goals. I sit with my BCBA, talk about what I want to work on. So we're not doing ABA to make me less autistic. We're doing it to work on skills that I want to work on. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way it should be. It should be giving you the supports that provides you with the things that you need in order to do what you want. Yeah, And I you said a year in the making living by yourself. That was probably a goal you've well, had. Like eight or nine months. And so far it's going well. That's awesome. And how long did you plan? I mean, you said a year in the making, but before it's then. When almost did you a decade in the making. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. I mean, it's been a decade of skill building to get here. And you're able to, and your roommate, you've, you said you've, known her for we've been best friends since we were in the first grade oh that's so cool that is is cool cool. Mm -hmm. i love that i don't even think i'm friends with anyone i was i'm not either that's amazing chloe right there is amazing i think on all the questions that we had it's it's been so great talking to you chloe you're amazing yes keep doing what you're doing you're amazing